So happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. So we are covering Richard Ramirez. And this sounds fucked up, but how do I say this? I'm not impressed. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you hear what I said? No, you didn't. The, uh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Tonight we're going to Chapman Street. Actually, um, let me just recap really quick. Okay. Richard Ramirez. So I didn't start at the beginning of the Richard Ramirez story. So, so he is known as the satanic killer from what I've researched so far on the guy. Mm-hmm. And that's his whole shtick, right? Satanic music, devil worshiping. Like he, even if he wasn't a killer, 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 even if Richard Ramirez was not a killer, he would still be, he would still get that persona. Now, it's interesting to know he didn't actually develop that persona that everyone knows and all the young females flock to until he was incarcerated on death row. He had many years to to perfect his image as a, a Satanist. You know, the Satanist killer. Mm-hmm. When he was arrested, he was put on death row. Death row, And you know how that goes. There's appeal processes and stuff like yeah. that. So he, he was on death row for quite a while, 20-something years. And he had a, long, a lot of time to perfect his image. But huh. anyway, I wanted to start, as I did last episode, with him as what people know. So the I, I said, all right, what's the first murder he did that he used a pentagram or said something mm-hmm. to one of the victims? As you'll see, it gets more and more. Like, he does leave some victims alive and tells them if they want to stay alive, if they don't if they don't want to get killed tonight by him, they have to swear their love to Satan and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Because he's he's kind of working on his image during the killings too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that was the- Do you, f- do you think then it's not genuine or- No, it is genuine because- gen- Well, what isn't genuine? Like, is he truly a satanic worshiper and all that stuff? He, he is, yes. Oh, okay. For instance, the people that knew him prior- his drug dealer, which is his name was Roberto, and he would buy his cocaine at the L.A. Grey, Greyhound bus terminal. Mm-hmm. Before any of the murders happened, he knew Richard as the guy. He didn't know his last name. He just knew he's some drifter from El Paso. But this guy always wore black. He always talked about how Satan is the ultimate god, this, that, and the other. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I was just curious um, if he was kind of more doing it because he wanted the he's, notoriety that was associated with it. You know, like so, controversy type stuff. <clears throat> so he started to during 1985. The ones we're covering now, you wouldn't you wouldn't know they're him. I mean, there, there are similarities as you'll see, but there's no pentagrams. There's no worship Satan, Satan type of stuff. So, but I wanted to jump ahead just because that's who he is, the sat- Satanist killer. Yeah. Satanist killer. So anyway, alright. Now we're going to the first murder he's ever done. That's where we're starting this episode. Okay. Alright. And this is in 1984. Okay. Now, technically, let me say something real quick. There is one other murder he that may have he, done. He he had done three months before where I'm starting, and we will cover that murder at the end of this episode. It's small, and he wasn't linked to that murder until 2009. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, through uh, through fingerprints, but like a you know the internet's getting better and better, so the CODIS system is <laughs> better, so it linked him through a fingerprint that wow. was okay. Yeah, at the time in 19. They didn't have that mass search database like they do and now. They, you know? Yeah, sometimes they're only like they're they're kind of testing backlogs as they go. That's one of the headlines we read last night. Talked about a, a case that was just solved. Which one? It was 
was a a missing... uh, The Gilgo murders? No, no. It was a girl who was abducted in the 70s, I want to say. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. Um, And they had some evidence and they just tested it and turned out the killer, you know, died two years after the the killing. But, and and unfortunately, the parents were not uh, alive to see, you know, who who actually did that either. But anyway, I'm going to start with a little quote. He said this at his trial. You don't understand me. You are not expected to. You are not capable. I am beyond your experience. I am beyond good and evil. I will be avenged. Lucifer dwells in us all. Kind of crazy. Hmm, some statement right there. Yeah. So we're, we are going to do like a mini so just to tease it. There was a courtroom situation that happened that really got people to think he was worshiping the devil and could and could summon him to do outside things, as we'll talk about. But he said up until the day he dies that he'll be avenged from death row. So huh. crazy. I'm starting this story on Tuesday, June 28th, 1984. And we're going to Chapman Street. So last time, and th- I just typed in Chapman Street. So here we are. It's one of these homes here, but this is pretty cool. What do you think? A little heart here. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, what is that? Like a walking path? Oh yeah. Ain't that interesting. What is it? That's a walking path? Yeah. It's kind of shitty for a walking path. Cause like when you get here, you have to do a sharp turn. <laughs> You know? Oh, I guess that's what this little heart's for. So you can walk here. Or is this a graveyard? I think that's a graveyard or something. Kind of cool. I, I think that's why they put this little heart here because, like, you're walking, do, 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 right? And then instead of making a sharp turn, what you just kind of. What is that above the heart? Is that a statue or a tree? I can't tell. Oh, yeah. Maybe a memorial. Anyway, that is completely unrelated to the story. <laughs> that's just where we're going. Yeah, that's where we're going. Kind of interesting, though. Oh, this big old oak tree. Yeah. It's beautiful. So you see kind of where we're going, these little houses right here. He's yep. known as the Night Stalker. So he rides around until... And, and he, what was he like burglarizing before he escalated to murder? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you a little bit about now. And we'll, like I said, we'll go into his background. But he actually was a, as a teenager, he worked in a hotel as like the maintenance. So mm. that, that's an easy way to swipe, you know, yeah. swipe a key card and still... Yeah. Still everyone's stuff. He actually got arrested for a man walked into the room and he was attempting to rape his wife and he got he got beat. And this is a, he's he was a teenager. He got beat and arrested, but wow. charges were never filed. Wow. So yeah, crazy. Thursday, June 28th, 1984, 1.20 p.m. So it's is daytime. Mm-hmm. And this is 10 hours after the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, left the scene. A good 10 hours. A Jack Vincow, V-I-V-I-N-C-O-W. I think I saw that he's a pharmacist or a dentist. He went to visit his mother, Janine. They had this routine. It's crazy about this story is he picks homes at random. So it kind of makes you think maybe Satan was telling him which ones because it seems so far that the ones he's breaking into are like single owned homes by one female, you know, and not like a young, strong female. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. But he's just there to rob. Okay. At first, yeah. So Chapman Street, 10 hours after Ramirez left. And we're going to go back and walk through his footsteps of how the night happened 10 hours prior to this. But Jack and his mother had a routine and they kept it pretty faithfully. And that routine was every Thursday, he would bring his mother her favorite food. A little treat, just some, 
McDonald's chicken nuggets. Love me some McDonald's chicken nuggets. I think he has a five count, right? Or fifteen. If uh, yeah, okay. You think a older lady's gonna eat fifteen chicken nuggets? Maybe I don't know. Uh, I'm I eat fifteen chicken nuggets. I don't know what else to tell you. <sighs> he arrives at the front door of his mother's house. He notices that the screen is removed. The thing about this story, as I said last time, this is one of the hottest summers on record until which until like global warming really yeah. became a thing. Obviously, I haven't thought of this until right now, but but. Maybe the reason that these older ladies are getting murdered is because he's doing, you know, his drive-by and looking for the perfect opportunity. It is the hottest summer on record. Right. And older people. Yeah, aren't going outside. But they're having their windows up at night. Oh, and okay. I don't, I don't know how expensive air conditioner was at the time, but we don't we do not do that here. Maybe it was a different time, but like well, we don't sleep with the windows open. It's in the summer. It's too hot to sleep with the windows windows open. This is during the summer. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. So maybe that's why he keeps killing older maybe. females. Maybe. You know, because he's theory. just looking for the easiest way easiest in. way in. Yeah. And someone who has their window up is, that's an easy way in. That's fair. That's a good point. Now, I don't know that for a fact yet, but I just, I just thought of that. Anyway, he arrives at the door. The screen is not there. He can see that screen when he looks through the window. It's on the floor and it's just kind of tossed on the floor. He immediately goes to the front door and once he turns that knob, he knows something is amiss because his mother never, ever leaves that door unlocked. And it was just basically already open. Whoever was in there used it to walk right out. Right. Yep. So at that point, he is freaked out. Hopefully his mother just got ransacked. And I'll show you a photo of yep. the home. Upon first glancing, that's what it looks like. The home is ransacked, but it didn't happen that way until after she was dead. So so that came after killing the person side. Yeah, let me... Um, so he's going, like, he, he he's not necessarily, at this point anyway, he's not trying to choose vacant homes. Like, that's not something he's worried about at this point. You mean homes that don't have anyone in it? Correct. Well, he doesn't know if they have any... But now, he doesn't really care, it but, sounds like. Because we talked a little bit about that in the last episode. Alright, keep in mind, he's been, he's a professional burglarer. So he's right. done this. I mean, he's probably broken into thousands of homes. It's only just just now he started killing. But yeah, he is, he is, he's got a second sense, I guess. Right. So if he's burglarized thousands of homes by this point, mm -hmm. he knows that there are people inside. I would say so, yeah. Because if the window is open, no one's going to leave their window open. I mean, or also if it's like in the middle of the night or something like that, like somebody's home sleeping. Yeah. It's not like it's Friday night, date night, and you're thinking you're getting somebody while they're out to dinner of a situation. Yeah, that's a good point. I believe this is uh, the one we covered yesterday, or the last episode. It doesn't have a caption on it, though, but the two older ladies. So you can you can see all the blood there. You see the pentagram. Oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty bad. You guys see the pentagram there? Yeah. That's in uh, red lipstick. Look at all this blood, too. Jesus. That's a pillowcase. So but that's basically, oh my God, that's, that's yeah, a that's lot awful. of blood. Holy shit. Goodness. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I, I mean, he's escalated at this point, and he's, I think he, he is fine with killing, because if he it, he would know he's per, in my opinion he's purposely going into a home with a person in it to kill and you know maybe take some stuff yeah I I gotta I gotta I'll, I'll make a forum how about that that is a terrible picture right there I'll make a, a little discord forum put some okay. of the pictures in there anyway let's uh I'll move on from that so Jack the son knows instantly that something's not right something's amiss the door never is un 
unlocked. He walks in. Things are thrown everywhere. He thinks he sees some blood smear on the wall. Immediately, he runs to his mother's room and... His mother is there in the bed covered by a blanket. Can you read the, can you read this? It's from um, Philip Carlo's The Night Stalker. He grabbed it, lifted it, and saw the terrible destruction, the gaping, obscene wounds, the nearly detached head. He turned and ran from the apartment yelling, my mother's been murdered. Call the police. Detectives Jesse Castillo and his part partner, Mike Wynn, they arrived and they saw the ransack place like a tornado went through there. Clothes thrown everywhere. He's not, Richard Ramirez didn't do this for effect. He is actually looking for things to sell to support his drug habit. Okay. So what I've, no, what I know so far about his priorities, that, that go over his priorities. And th- this is just. I don't think so. What I came up with. He's got three priorities. Okay. Number one is the old ultimate, which is cocaine. That's his drug of choice. He is addicted. He is a street dweller. He doesn't have a home. He's homeless and he's a drug addict. He's skinny. He he would do drugs, his drug before he would eat. And that's what he lived for. So that's number one priority. Number two priority is his violent sexual fantasies and fulfilling them. He loves violent sex. He loves the bloodshed during sex and all that stuff. That's priority two. Priority three will be the worship of Satan. And in my mind, it's weird because, you know, any uh, anyone else's God, that'd be priority one. But I feel like Satan would be okay to be <laughs> that, priority. That, you know there I'm are saying? other pri- priorities yeah. that are more sinful. Yeah. Exactly, right? I don't know. Inf- interesting. Yeah. Uh, Satan, if you're there, correct me if I'm wrong. But <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jenny had been stabbed repeatedly. She had multiple defensive w- wounds. She was wearing a blue nightgown that was pushed over her waist. The crotch area of the girdle was cut out and there was a deep stab wound in her left inner thigh. Her cause of death was two deep stab wounds, one on each side of her windpipe. All right, now that we know what we're looking at, let's go back 10 hours and actually go through what happened. Okay. And we're going to start this in a very dangerous place. So we're going back before the murder. Okay. 10 to 12 hours before. And this will be June 27th, 1984, 8.30 p.m. We're starting at the L.A. Greyhound bus terminal. Okay. He is going to go get himself some more cocaine. Yes. From who? Roberto. (laughs) (laughs) The vermin-infested streets where crackheads and junkies dropped the night before. If the City of Angels had an asshole, well, it'd be here. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. What a statement there. Uh, 8.30 p.m. June 27th. Two grams of cocaine is requested from a Colombian named Roberto. He does his deal under the Greyhound bus terminal. And this is, there's a skid row there. This is Richard Ramirez's home. This is where he feels comfortable. The alleys, the rats, the sewage, the trash, sleeping out there. That's his wilderness. That's like camping for him. That's where he sleeps. He sleeps wherever he finds. A lot of times in whatever car he has stolen from, you know, from the few hours before. Yep. But wherever, wherever he ends up at the end of the night, that's where he's sleeping. This guy, Rick, as he was known to Roberto, comes up wearing all black and driving a dark blue Toyota, obviously stolen. He hasn't eaten. He hasn't slept in days. And he is on a binge and he has been hitting the rock hard. 
Richard Ramirez is also binging heavy metal music real hard. Sabbath, The Iron Maiden, The Judas Priest. I didn't see where he's into death metal, but that was more, I think, a UK thing. I'm not sure. Don't know. If anyone knows any 80s death metal bands, let me know. He hasn't eaten or slept in days, and he is on a Coke binge. Now, he has these large knuckled hands. Huge. Is he a guitar player? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is he? no, no, no. But he would be a good guitar player. Yeah. Cause we always made that joke. Actually, bass players have long fingers yeah. usually. Yeah. Like sausage fingers. Anyway, spider fingers. Yeah. So he gets two grams of cocaine. And like I talked about last time, he carries with him a half cut Pepsi can, just the bottom of it. And that's where he puts the cocaine in there, puts a little bit of water, lights it up, and then he mainlines it, injects it right into his vein after he tourniquets himself off with his teeth like that and then injects it. Now, as soon as that drug goes into his vein, have you ever been around cocaine or anything? No. So I guess this would kind of be like crack, just not mixed with anything. This is like pure cocaine, but crack is, you would, I I guess, I don't know what I'm talking about. I think you smoke that, don't you? I don't know. Anyway, the smell of cocaine. I am not a drug expert. I don't know. I don't know either. It's probably a good thing. He, He is addicted to everything about this drug. Not only the way it feels, but the way it smells. Cocaine gives a very faint smell, a chemical smell, sort of like gasoline. It's natural, but the way they process it in Colombia or whatever, they use whatever chemicals. It is natural, but it has that chemical smell. All of that just gets him ramped up. And as soon as that drug goes into his veins, that instant, he hasn't even pulled the needle out. It's just, ugh just feels so good and it's just coursing through him you know he's just and it's an upper yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah so usually people have either they like uppers or downers I, I would be an upper that's why I'm ta- that's why I take Adderall you know well it's because it's prescribed to you yes well yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah uh, you also buy it from Roberto I guess is what you're telling me Roberto uh. Uh, all right, let me see. So now he he is not only high, but he is in control. And think about it. It is the 80s, man. It is such well, a great time. Well, and, it's a great time for a cokehead, I guess. And, it's everywhere. I know. And it's just this satanic thing is in full swing. He is completely bought into it. These metal bands, this Judas Priest, ACDC. He, he listens to that, banging his head. He's high on coke. He is... Is just ready to rob and rape and kill. Normally that expression goes, he's ready to rock, but that is <laughs> a very <laughs> different avenue. Yeah. So there's actually a song by ACDC that's one of his favorites called The Night Prowler. And the reason he loves that song is he said it's because it's the lyrics is of a guy breaking into someone's window. However, ACDC, which was is an Australian band, I don't know if you knew that, but they detested that when this came out because they they got banned from many shows after this happened and you know he said oh I love the Night Prowler by ACDC and they came out and said that's not even what that's about Highway the Hell the album is about life on the road not about anything to do with you he also has an interesting uh, interesting meeting with an actor Sean Penn that we'll, we can talk about another time oh interesting <laughs> yeah I didn't know that <laughs> yeah so and Madonna 
know, Sean Penn, because they were dating at the time. Yeah. Did they like run into each other buying drugs or something? Uh, no, no. I can tell you what it is right now. Yeah, if you go want. ahead. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. We're, uh, we're on the subject. The Sean Penn thing I learned from this book, Letters from the Night Stalker. This guy, Marcus H.K., corresponded with R- Richard Ramirez for over a decade. So let me, let me, uh, sorry, I'm like out of fucking breath. Is that because I'm getting older? How old am I? Am I 38? Uh, 37. 37. Well, tell me what you think they're, uh their run-in would be like. I have no idea. When was it? 1985. This is after he was arrested. All right, here we go. So I'm going to kind of read this. This is really interesting. So Sean Penn, he's been in what big? I I know the name, but I I don't know. He's been in a lot of movies. Like what? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. Was Mystic River him? I think so. Yeah. Was he bigger like in the 80s or was he just up and coming? He was big in the 80s. Yeah. I like cannot even picture this guy. Sean Penn. Yeah, Mystic River. Okay, that was was what I was thinking of. All right. I'm just going to read this. This is from the book Letters from the Night Stalker. Throughout his trial, he was incarcerated at the Los Angeles County Jail. Actor Sean Penn was also serving a 60-day sentence for assaulting a photographer or a photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, I, you, I, 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 no, I don't remember. What, do you like punch born. him or something? I remember hearing, like, the uh, that's, like, one of the things he's, he's known for, I guess. I mean, they do get pretty annoying. Yeah. You know who I love? Huh. Oh, my God. I And I keep getting videos probably recommended to me by YouTube, but... Keanu Reeves. Yeah. We should uh, I, watch. Oh my God, the, he is so. We should watch that m- movie where he, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, not a superhero movie, but a movie where he like does something to get revenge on behalf of his dog. Oh, I don't want to see a dog die. I don't, someone tell me whatever movie I'm thinking of. Does, do, do we see the dog die or is the dog alive? This matters in what we will be watching. So apparently Keanu Reeves is such a great dude. Like they, there's videos of him like interacting with children and stuff. Oh. And just like, because I, I apparently he had a terrible child. I guess he was like homeless and his father or something like that. I don't know. Actor Sean Penn was also serving a 60-day sentence for assaulting a photographer. He even stayed a couple of cells down from Richard. Richard gave a note to a guard requesting Penn's autograph. Penn wrote back, quote, Dear Richard, wildest incarcerated. And this is the after he's arrested. So Night Stalker, he was on every front page. Everybody knew who he was. He was more popular than Sean Penn, yeah. Right. Dear Richard, wildest incarcerated. It's impossible not to feel like kinship with you fellow inmates. Well, Richard, it appears I've achieved the impossible. I feel absolutely no kinship with you. Sean Penn. Wow! <laughs> and then Richard wrote back, Dear Sean, take care and hit him again. Richard Ramirez 666. <laughs> 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 Pretty crazy. Eh? I mean, he uh, that was a good note by Sean <laughs> and a funny response in return. I know, but still, like, he also, it still was autograph. Like, he wrote back yeah. kind of, in a weird way. I think it's kind yeah. of funny. Anyway, That's Madonna. Funny. So it says, um, Sean Penn was married to Madonna at the time. While visiting Penn, she asked, who's that good-looking guy? He gave her a slice smirk. That good-looking guy is the Night Stalker. Want to meet him? That guy gives me the shivers, but sure, I'll meet him. And then Sean said, no way. <laughs> That's what <laughs> That's funny. Anyway. That's really funny. Sean Penn. Is he still, I guess he's still. Yeah, he's a thing. Oh, okay. He's a thing. He's 
still doing things. We don't really watch a lot of movies, no. to be honest. No. So if somebody can tell us, John, John Wick, thank you, Chris. What the John, uh, wait, John doc- Wick is a show. It is. What? No, I don't know. No. All right. Anyway, so at this point, he is excited and he is ready to get more money. He's got to because the number one priority is what? Cocaine. Right. Cocaine is the number one priority and he can only get it. He can only go back to Roberto once he has something, money or an item that he can fence for money, whatever. So, and he's on a binge, so he needs to keep this going 24 hours. He's not even sleeping, right? So at this point, he looks up and he is just ready to go. He is in an alley of an abandoned building somewhere in the shithole of LA. He could smell piss and shit and he's just getting all pumped up. He gets back in that blue Toyota and he puts in his, one of his favorite bands. He likes Billy Idol's Eyes Without a Face is one of his favorite. It really gets him going and he just drives and he's looking for that perfect opportunity and he finds it at Jenny Vinkow's apartment because her window is up and it is, she is just one screen away, one mesh screen away from a fun night for him. This is a quote from him, Richard Ramirez. To be a good killer, I have to plan things out carefully. You've got to be prepared in every way. When the moment comes to strike, you cannot hesitate. He got on the t- the 10 freeway, got off at Glassell Park, parked on Chapman Street next to the Forest Lawn Memorial Park. That's what, that's what it was, a Forest Lawn Memorial Park. He gets out. He puts on his dark gardening gloves. One thing that he, he has these rules. He's been doing this since his teenage years. Always wear gloves, but like, we talked about it's the hottest summer on record and those big gardening gloves the big ones hard to get on hard to get on but they sweat and you can't hardly take like for instance you can't take the screen out of the window very easily with them so which is going to be some of his downfall because like here there's a fingerprint there was actually four fingerprints found on that screen he had to take them off to get it the screen off you know he broke one of his rules so this two-story pink apartment building he peers through the window he sees that it's quiet inside. Maybe there's some jewelry. Maybe there's some money, whatever. He decides on apartment two. The night, her that night, her window was open, just covered by a mesh screen. From the Night Stalker by Philip Carlo, he was certain that Satan, arch enemy of Christ, of all things good, was traveling with him and that Satan would protect him so long as he stayed evil in his heart and showed no mercy. I love how he said evil. You're like, evil. <laughs> Did anyone catch that? <laughs> Evil. All right. He enters the home. First thing he does, just stays quiet. He squats down. He lets the the background tell him what's going on. You know, he can tell how many people's in here just from the background, the noise, the noise floor. That's what they call it in the audio world, the noise floor. He does that. And then he finally gets into the zone. He pulls out his pen light and he's shining. He looks around the banisters, the bookshelf, nothing of value. Just like the last one, this angers him. He needs to to see a pattern here. If the window's open, it might be an elderly lady. I mean, and honestly, he's breaking into homes that are pretty low, low, what do you call them? Low class, not low class, but Income? Low, yeah, he's breaking into low-income homes. I don't really understand what he's expecting to find hmm. anyway. But he gets angry when he sees nothing of value that he could sell or even money. But he doesn't lose control. He knows, okay, his first priority is not going to happen. Let's move to the second priority. That's violent sex. Let's see who's in the bedroom. He moves to the bedroom of 79-year-old Jenny Vincal. She's not as active as other 79, 80-year-old women mm-hmm. that you 
may know of, okay? Because she has a low electrolyte problem, and that kind of makes her sluggish during the day. And if it wasn't for her son, she would basically get no attention from the outside world. Does that make sense? She stays in the home and does her grocery shopping only once a week, and Mm -hmm. she's just home. She's a homesteader, I guess, you know? The low electrolyte problem, the reason I put it in there is because it helps her, like, when she's sleeping, she's out. She's not going to notice this guy. She's not going to be able to tell that this guy stands over her for a good five minutes Mm -hmm. fantasizing about her. He even opens the bench by her bed and ransacks that while she's still sleeping. He's in her room at this point, kind of just looking at everything, probably wondering why she's not even waking up. Yeah. She's out. From the Night Stalker by Philip Carlo, staying low on the balls of his feet, he walked toward the bedroom and made out the form of Jenny Van Cow, sleeping deeply under a brown and white plaid blanket, her breathing slow and labored. When he was sure that she was alone, he took out a pen light and looked around the apartment. There was just about nothing worth stealing there except, of course, Jenny Van Cow's soul. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. He quietly moved in front of her bed, and at this point, he's going to ask Satan, and and he'll do this through all the murders. But this is his, technically, it's not his first one, it's his second murder. Yeah, but but he's not going to get recognition. Like, once, he he plays to the media with the pentagrams and stuff like Mm -hmm. that, but he does ask Satan, the one true God, to help him, because this is his sacrifice. When he kills, and if he does a good job on killing this lady then he'll be rewarded with his arousal. Does that make sense? Mm. So that's how he's working here. She was sleeping. He, at this point, is standing right over her. He pulls out a six-inch hunting knife, like the, the big old bad boy I got in the room. He stands directly over her body. He asked that this sacrifice be made to bless the one true God, Satan, and then he plunges the knife deep inside this woman's chest, pinning her to the bed. She woke up screaming with enough force that she... The knife ejected from the bottom of the the bed where it was stuck, and then he ripped it out and just started stabbing over and over and over. She died from a multitude of stabs, but the two that were her official cause of death were both to the neck, one on each side of the windpipe. Mm. So he is hitting the chest and the neck area, and he is doing it. I mean, he's high on coke. So think about like someone like a meth head just can't stop type of thing, you know? Yeah. She's screaming. He keeps stabbing. She tried to fight him off, but that was impossible. He slammed his hand over her mouth, raised her chin and stabbed, then slashed her throat from ear to ear, cutting so deeply he nearly severed her head. Her body shook violently. She choked and gagged on her blood. The last image her dying eyes registered was of him standing over her, killing her. So, pretty bad. Yeah. Satan was pleased at this point, and he gave the reward of arousal. He would spend the next hour with her body doing as he pleased to he had the corpse all to himself during which he would take multiple breaks in between his sexual assault getting several glasses of water using the bathroom even using the bathroom hand towel turning on the radio and just making himself at home so that's that is how that happened and then he walked out the front door so that is that murder let me let's go quickly over the first one that he was in 2009 apparently the first murder he's done they found a 
fingerprints mm-hmm. at the crime scene. This was a few months before. This one's completely different. And if it wasn't for evidence, because he sure as hell never admitted to, to doing this, nor would he ever. But it the MO is completely, completely different. So I'm just going to go over it real quick. So was there, um, you know, I, I know that he's in a probably a crime filled area, but before it escalated to murder, you know how kind of like um, with Joseph James D'Angelo, he was the or the original Night Stalker, the Visalia Ransacker, the East Area Rapist, and then he escalated to murder. It's kind of seems similar to me in that way. So did they like, was it known that there was like a mass burglar in mass like rapist because he was doing that too that's, sometimes, um, right? That's actually a really interesting question. I guess I he was the Night Stalker before he was he probably the did. I, yeah, I'm guessing he, some of his, his, his burglaries did make the paper. I'd be interested in looking those up, you know? I mean, I don't know if he had a cool monitor, uh, moniker. Or was he always the Night Stalker? Because I guess that could be, you No, know. he was, so he was first called the walk-in killer, but um, I didn't see yet where he has a moniker for burglaries, but that's an interesting question. I bet I can go back and find. Uh, yeah, um, it's, I'm just kind of curious if like he was. It's, it's crazy that. Known before he escalated to the murders. Yeah, because. I know, um, like Paul Bernardo in California, he was known as a rapist yeah. before. I don't know. That's an interesting question. I got to look that up to see if he had, I mean, obviously he was doing, he was stealing people's stuff. And keep in mind, the, the two that we covered, he's in low-income areas right. too. So those probably don't even make the paper, really. Uh, Joseph D'Angelo, he was in like the suburbs, mm-hmm. you know, in normal people homes. And, you yeah. know, not normal people, but middle class homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But apparently this is the first one he's ever done and he never admitted to it even though they have his fingerprint on the scene and apparent, apparently there was some, there is some confusion. There may have been a second party involved but that fingerprint is be- belongs to a suspect who was a juvenile at the time and his name has never been released. Plus his fingerprint was smudged so it may have been a false rating but Richard Ramirez's fingerprint and DNA was definitely linked to this killing and it's completely different hmm. this is from uh, CBS News from 2009 DNA links Night Stalker Richard Ramirez to 1984 killing of nine year old Mia wow. Mia Ling a Chinese immigrant completely different yeah and if you were just if you didn't have the DNA no one would ever link him to this but now that and and honestly, there's one blurb. I looked through all the newspaper archives to try to find the story of this in the newspapers. There's only one little blurb I found, and it's just the family in the town offering a ten thousand dollar reward. And and that's and that's the end of it. So until 2009, she wasn't given any press or anything, which is to be expected. But let let me uh, show you what happened here. So this was in the Tenderloin neighborhood of of San Francisco. San Francisco, he moved down to Los Angeles where where we just were with uh that's where he started killing mm-hmm. officially. But if you want to read this, this is from the Daily Mail. It's the last little one there. From the Daily Mail, they say they found the little girl's partially nude body hanging by a blouse from a water spigot in the basement of her apartment building where she lived with her family on April 10th, 1984. Her feet were just a few inches off 
the ground. And Mullane, who retired from the force in 1995, said she would have survived had she been just a few inches taller. Had she been a little taller, she could have transferred her weight to her feet on the ground and screamed and somebody could have come and helped her, Mullane said, adding, this was one of the tougher ones, one of the ones you'd like to solve. I had little children at the time. So now looking back, that detective said he remembers if you could picture, and this is his exact wording, this is what he would say, a paraphrase, obviously not the exact words, but if you could picture Christ on the cross, that's the way she looked. So she was hanging by her blouse on a water spigot. She's small little thing, nine years old, and her head was drooped down and her chin was drooped down as well, kind of like Christ on the cross. Mm. It's a very sad story. Let me show you her photo, but that it's so, so different, Yeah, right? It's so different. But that, and I guess now at this point, we're, we're not even sure if that was his first murder. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, who really knows? Well, do you know when he was asked about this murder, what he said? No. No comment. So he definitely wouldn't have admitted to any other murders or or any other murders that come down the pipe now, you know? If if someone links another murder to him now, I mean, he's dead now, yeah. but he, he wouldn't admit it anyway, so. I'm surprised he didn't, though. Like, why would he not? You know, he yeah. was kind of like all up in the notoriety and fame. Well, this was 2009, so his fame had, his flame had died out, died out by then, yeah. I mean, he was popular in the 90s leading up to the 2000s, but after that, after the satanic panic kind of thing wore off, so did his image, mm-hmm. you know? But he did maintain his image until the day he died, so, of natural causes (laughs) on death row. (laughs) Wait a long time. (laughs) shit. All right. Was that okay for you guys? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, that's great. I don't know. We're um we're moving forward with the Night Stalker and hope you guys like it. So we'll be back with um some headlines tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So I'm only putting out this episode this week and then Saturday obviously we're gonna do another one, but I kinda lost the day, so I don't want it to rush. We're gonna do two we're definitely doing one episode on Saturday with Richard Ramirez. Depending on if it's its own episode or not, I want to do the Jeffrey Dahmer new interview kind of thing. I don't know if that's gonna be a full episode may just be a blurb and uh, yeah we're gonna record every day headlines headlines will be public but these are for you guys and obviously i'll put this audio out tomorrow cool. but that's all i got cool, 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 cool. good night you lovely lovely people kind of run this shit